Blog Talk Radio. Cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch Detective Radio for today's date, June 27, 2010. I am your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective, Steve Coles, and hello all out there. Um, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, returning from his absence, the one, the only, Big G. Hey, good evening, everyone in cyberspace. Good evening, Steve. And we are glad to be back tonight. Let me tell you, been missing it a lot. Yes, yes. And uh, <clears throat> first thing I want to do is uh, tonight is I want to throw out uh, congratulations to my son, who uh, actually made it through high school without uh, without burning down the building, I guess. But uh, congratulations to him. In case he's out there listening, you never know he may be. Um, he was looking for a shout-out, too, so I figured I'd give him one. I also want to thank our good friend, the Mad Dog, for filling in the two weeks you were out, G. And, boy, what a show he did, and he he's okay. And, I, you know, the next time you're out, we got a great certifiable – well, he's certifiable, but we got a great certified backup. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a good kid. I'm glad to see he's made it. It's been a long, hard struggle. He's to be commended. Uh, Mom and Dad should be commended, and, you know, it's uh, – you know, you both did a fine job bringing the boy up, and uh, really, congratulations, uh, uh, Steve Jr., and uh, congratulations, uh, Mom and Dad. There, you both did a fine job, but a long struggle, and kudos to, yeah, right, there I go. I used the word, okay. Don't say that word. <laughs> congratulations, all. When you say that word, you get that. You get yeah, that. I know. 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm back. He's a little rusty. <laughs> yeah, rusty. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so you you you've been out and about, and um, as you can see, it's uh, very hot here in New York again. Oh, and, uh, brutal. Yeah, I tell you. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, without any further ado, um, we'll bring our guest on for tonight, uh, Miss Julie Scott. And uh, Julie, how are you tonight? Doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, and thank you for coming on. Um, Julie has uh, written a book, and it's in the editing stages right now. It's going it's to hopefully come out this fall. Uh, it's going to be called Visits from the Forest People, and uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about that. But before we do that, um, Julie was at the Oregon Symposium, so I'd like to hear a little bit about that and her takes on it, and I'll turn it over to you, Julie. Thanks. Um, I'm having a lot of echo here, Steve. Um, it was awesome. Uh, the weekend, the people, the level of seriousness, <laughs> if I may say that. Um, it, w- it was just an awesome time. Uh, autumn, uh, you know, Williams started out Saturday morning and gave a two-hour presentation, which most of the people know now about, a witness named Mike, and his relationship with a Bigfoot, which he calls Enoch, Um, and it was just an awesome book. I've already read it almost two times already, and uh, Sally, her mom, was next, and then Cliff Barockman, is that how you pronounce his name, Um, a researcher out of uh, Portland, uh, and Bob Gimlin, who has to be one of the nicest young men I've ever met. <laughs> and uh, Kathy Strain uh, came on and gave her point of view and about Native American uh, um, traditions and legends. Uh, David Rodriguez, who spoke, um, had about three encounters, uh, close ones, and uh, gave a big presentation about... Um, trees uh, and breaking of trees and how in high elevations it looks like they can twist and they can break and in other words beware and don't get mixed up with this may not be a Bigfoot sign it's just uh, active nature he had a lot to say about that and Tom Powell who is one of the funniest people I've ever met um, talked about researching and uh, Esther Stoltzman, who is an elder in one of the local native tribes, uh, she basically finished up on Saturday, uh, in Saturday evening, uh, in uh, what was probably most most serious talk of all, and what her tribe personally believed that Sasquatches are, and her her main message was, please leave them alone. Um, Dr. Jeff Meldrum was the next day along with uh, Ron Moorhead and followed by Scott Nelson talking about and listening to as we listen to the um, Sierra sounds and uh, audio messages that they've got and Scott Nelson and his interpretation of some of them and how he came to be in that uh, Bigfoot mode after his son just two years ago, um, how it worked, let me let me rewind a little bit. His son was a Bigfoot fanatic, I guess, and he was listening to some uh, Sierra sounds um, and talking on the Internet, and his father, Scott Nelson, who's been a crypto-linguist for 30 years with the Navy, and he knows Russian and Persian and Spanish and everything thoroughly, um, asked, you know, someone he's listening to, he said, well, it's supposed to be Bigfoot talking to each other. And he said, it's just not, you know, monkey chatter. There's a language there because the man has a trained ear. And he, he, it was just a fascinating, fascinating um, a symposium, and also, and I missed this man, he was the last one, it looks like Jamie, but it's not pronounced that way, um, Avalos, 
Avalos. Yeah, that would be Jaime Avalos. Okay, Avalos, yeah. And I I missed him because I had to leave early. But um, every presentation was different, was educating, was fascinating. And then just to meet people all over. I mean, there was people from Canada, New Zealand, Hawaii, and then all over, of course, the United States came to the symposium. And Toby, is Toby's last name Johnson? I'm not sure. I think so. but to- yeah, Toby did an incredible job organizing all this. Everything went smoothly. And uh, I believe you always have your skeptics, okay? And you always have those that are there saying uh, criticism, criticism, criticism. But most of us, I believe, uh, walked away seriously very touched very educated and uh moving into a different level in satsquatch uh experiences and understanding it was awesome i encourage everybody to try to make it for next year got a question from the chat room already yes we do and do you have any video or photos to back up your sasquatch habitation situation why don't we Uh, uh Go ahead. Well, why don't we wait wait till we get to the that actual um, plop right now? Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the question. We haven't even started to talk about that just yet. Mm-hmm. So let's let's hold on that question till we get. Right now we're talking about the symposium. Let's keep it to that. And okay. But but I do have a question. Out yes, of everybody you heard, who was your favorite? Oh, not fair. <laughs> not fair at all. Well, I love Autumn. You know, I mean, I email her back and forth personally, so, you know. And um, Sally is a funny person. Um, who's my favorite? Uh, oh, gosh. I really enjoyed Scott Nelson. Oh, and by the way, he's come out with, in case you haven't heard, uh, and he does not want to make this an exclusive by himself at all. He's come out with, he's entitled the SPA, which is the Sasquatch Phonetic alphabet and you can get that online free and just download it and print it out and he because he dissected the sierra tape so much and he was listening to for similar patterns and voice changes and all that and so he put together an alphabet and um with the encouragement of please don't um you know download sounds off the internet and then go out in the woods and play them because you really none of us know what it's saying if it's a true language by these forest people it's a it's a language and they're they're speaking something so when we play these things that we we download we don't know exactly what they're saying so the point of this whole uh, phonetic alphabet is this it to help those researchers and those people that are out in the woods um wanting to learn about Sasquatch gives you another tool instead of just whistling and whooping and um, and sound blasting and knocking on trees. So, uh, it, you know, it's an alternative. It's a good place to start, and he put a lot of work into it. And I think that probably, oh, that's not a fair question because I really enjoy <laughs> every one of them. Well, okay, let me let me rephrase that question. <laughs> which one did you find? Which one did you find you learned the most from? Ah. Oh, again, I'll have to say Scott Nelson. Okay, I probably learned learned the most from him. He was just—I don't think you could have heard a pin drop, and and when everybody was up there, but uh, it, that was most unique um, um, presentation, I think. All right. Well, of course, I learned a lot from Autumn too because of her big presentation presenting what uh, with Mike and Enoch, which was a whole. It, it was all different. It was at very different levels. So. I okay, and there's there is another question uh, in the chat room about uh, what's the website to uh, Scott Nelson's. Do you do you know that offhand? I or? certainly don't, but you can just Google him and you'll find him. Well, there's your answer, and that comes from Python Man. 007. And uh <clears throat> okay. So, let's um let's go go back to your um to your experiences and um why don't we, you know, kind of why don't you st- kind of start from the beginning and let it fly. 
Okay. I'm, like I said before the show, I'm going to have to really condense this, and I'll try to bring up some of the major points. Um, we were living in eastern Oregon. Uh, excuse me. We live in eastern Oregon now. Um, we were living in eastern Washington, and the weather, the winter was a very rough one. And because we have two home, uh, home Internet businesses, we have a bit of freedom to kind of live where we want to live. And we were so burnt out on the weather, and we said, you know, started talking, let's, let's go move to the coast. Never been to the coast, didn't know anybody on the coast. And um, we were looking for a house to buy. We said, well, you know, let's rent one and get the feel for the place and make sure that we like it out there. Uh, smart move, actually, first. And uh, we found a place. Long story short, um, <laughs> how can I explain this from the very when we pulled into the neighborhood that's all I'll tell you uh, pulled into the neighborhood it was like a different kind of atmosphere uh, it's the the tall old growth fir trees the type of just the trees alone in the and the ocean and the dampness and the, the darkness it, Anyway, it's very different in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, you can't see the hand in front of your face. And it, sometimes um, it's just so dark in these thick woods. And we pulled up the house, and you can't see any other house. And um, we decided, like I said, just to rent the place. And from the very first day, we said, boy, there's a weird feel around here. It is so different. But, of course, we just thought it was the trees or the weather or the climate or whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it, just, kept, it just kept getting stranger. Um, by the third day, we were hearing bipedal uh, foot, footsteps in these woods and strange noises that we never had had heard before. Now, we're, uh, let me explain this. My husband and I are two grown daughters who are in their early 20s and at that time a three-year-old granddaughter. Um, so there's five of us. And, oh, we just, we just, uh, we, we are outside a lot. One of the businesses that we owned was a forest products business so we had spent many years in the in the woods and there's certain sounds and rhythms and noises that become familiar but all i can tell you is that there was some something very unusual happening around our house what i'm about to say and as i'm talking here is going to be very familiar to most of your listeners if they know anything about you know bigfoot but to us we even though we believed um, it was a, kind of a side thing, you know, part of our beliefs, but it was not something that we dwelled in every day. Um, but something was very different, and we kept listening, and we were, uh, that feeling of, here we go, this is one of the things I was talking about, that feeling of being watched, and there was no curtains on any of the windows because you you couldn't see any neighbors or anything. And so it was a very intense feeling of being watched, uh, both during the day and at night. Uh, you'd go out, like I'd walk out to an area in our in our yard, and I'd be looking through the trees saying, what is up there? But not being able to see anything, but you can feel the presence. So, you know, it was... <laughs> We felt like we had entered the twilight zone, <laughs> and um, we didn't know what to make out of it. And so this went on. We moved in the end of uh, third week in September, and by the third week in November, um, that's when something major changed. Now we were, like I said, all sorts of things. Let me let me stop right here and give you a little. Um, Explanation: We have two female border collies, part border collies, and these are dogs that came from, lived in the mountains in Montana, and uh, different places. And they have, they have no fa fear of bears, uh, cougars. Um, they chase bears. You know, they just badgers, any kind of wildlife, particularly bears and. They can be big and scary, you know, and cougars, but they never have feared that. We moved there 
to this area, and they were freaking out. I don't know how else to tell you, but they would hear something, run up in the trees, run back down and hide under the house and hide under the deck. They'd scratch at the doors to come in the house, and they were terrified. And um, this went on, and we kept thinking we were joking, uh, you know, within the family, saying, "Oh, it's probably Bigfoot." And because you know, when you're in the Pacific Northwest, it comes with the territory, <laughs> is the legend of it. So, anyhow, it came to the week before Thanksgiving, and my youngest daughter and I pulled up in the driveway, and it was dusk, and we got out of the van, and the dogs ran up to us, and then as soon as we got out, they ran down the hill in the backyard, over to the trees on the right-hand side, and barking, and out came a scream like I've never heard before. And it was only about 30 feet from us, but the, again, the, the trees are so thick. And the scream was a very, very loud scream, and it was a mixture between a cougar, a woman screaming, and kind of an apish sound, followed by four distinctive, <laughs> like that, grunts, okay? So um, we just looked at each other, and we just kind of went, oh, that's that's got to be Bigfoot, jokingly, but seriously, because we've heard cougars, we've heard bears, we've heard everything, and this was nothing like we've ever heard before. So we, Julie. We, yes. Julie, I, I think uh, Big G has a question from the chat room. Already? Okay. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, this is from Python. Um, when you moved in, how long was the house empty? The house wasn't empty. Ah. The, the, the owner was still, uh, actually, she was still moving her stuff out, and um, so it hadn't been sitting empty. She had lived there. She was a single woman. She had lived there for eight years by herself. Right. Was the house occupied on a daily and nightly basis, or had there been days when she was or wasn't there, or the house was or wasn't occupied, or was it continually occupied? It was continually occupied. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, we did what most people do when they hear something like that. We ran into the house, went to the, went to the computer and got on the Internet and went to Bigfoot sites, which was our first time to be on Bigfoot sites. And listening to the sound bites. And, of course, the hair stands up in the back of your head when you realize, oh, my gosh, I think we actually just did hear a Bigfoot. And we started... <laughs> the very next day, we started reading some of the things on these on these sites because we were trying to educate ourselves because of the intensity of what was going on in our lives. I mean, you have to understand, we'd, we'd go outside, we know somebody was there, it was a 24-7 thing, we were hearing things that were unusual, our dog was acting unusual, it was... You're you're wondering strongly what is going on here, because you want to feel safe. Not that we never did, sure. because I mean we felt safe with Bigfoot, but if it was people, it would be a different story, if you know what I mean. So we wanted to make sure it wasn't people, because that's a whole other ball game, and that's something to be really concerned about. So anyway, the very next day, and after we told, after I told my husband what it sounded like. He goes out on the back deck and gives four distinctive, well, he was being eight man and, and trying to make, you know, ooh sounds. And every time he, he did it four times, and every time he, he'd make a sound, he would get a response back from someplace in the woods, different places in the woods. Our house was surrounded by uh, timberland, things like that. And he would get, he got four distinctive sounds back, and I didn't hear it. My daughter did, and she came into the office with her eyes about as big as, you know, saucers and said, oh, you wouldn't believe what Dad did, and you wouldn't believe the sound that just came back. So that that went on. So we knew something was out there. We heard sounds like um, we heard the whooping, we heard the screaming, we heard... Uh, things that were similar to monkey chatter. We heard the, um, as we began to educate ourselves, we heard uh, what we presumed to be, because of what we were reading, maybe they were uh, knocking the rocks together or hitting trees or, or doing something like that. 
So now we're into right before Christmas, and I'm emailing everybody that I could find on there going, please help us. What do we do? Because it it, it can be scary. You know, what do we do from this point on? And I wasn't getting any response back from the people that I was emailing. And finally I got a... I'm please sorry? do not feed. Please do not feed the Sasquatch. No. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, or you're not dinner. Uh, I just wanted some <laughs> confidence, you know. And um, finally, we emailed a local group of researchers, and they showed up um, the day after Christmas. And they came to the house about six of them at that time, and they listened to our story. And we told them everything that we've seen, everything that we've heard. And um, they said, well, first of all, you're not crazy. Uh, Second of all, there's been all sorts of reports coming from this area. Um, uh, And on and on and on they went. And then they said, can we have a look around? We said, sure. So have a look around. Um, Then came the cameras. They put up about eight cameras And from that point on, with the cameras and the researchers and people hiking through the woods, um, things were altered a bit, and but the the presence were still there. King New Year's Eve night, uh, a whole bunch more showed up, and they went hiking around, and they were um, looking for all sorts of evidence, and then they did some sound blasting that night, and when they did that, oh came across the street a howl uh, like you would think a wolf would howl but I don't think there was any wolves that live in that area and it certainly didn't sound like anything like a coyote and they argued among themselves you know oh that's a wolf that's a coyote and the other one said no it's probably a Sasquatch so it was being recorded it got recorded and how they determine if it's a coyote or a wolf or whatever is something by the megahertz or something I'm not sure on this but they they took it back to wherever they find it. Anyway, they decided it was not a coyote, it was not a wolf, and most likely it was a Sasquatch. <clears throat> well, about a month or two later, I'm skipping around here, so hang on with me. A month or two later, they did um, cross the street uh, in another part of the woods, uh, came the howling again it was lasting he'd do it for I don't know about 30 40 times and then it stopped and then he started again and that went on for a couple hours and then I'll I'll skip ahead to the very end right now then I'll come back the day we left we're out in our van um, we have a moving van and our van and a pickup truck and everything and it was broad daylight and for the very first time we heard the same howling from the same place and it was very strange because we really felt like they knew. I know this sounds strange to some of your callers, and uh, um, our listeners, and it may not sound strange to some of the other ones. We felt like they knew we were leaving. And um, because we had, now I can jump back in the middle, okay? Did I ever personally see them? No. My husband saw them five times there, and he has seen them twice now where we live okay uh my daughters saw saw them um i was having health issues and i i I didn't stay up till two o'clock in the morning like they did okay and they seemed to be very attracted to our daughters and particularly our little granddaughter uh because she's very boisterous she's very loud she's She's very much out in the woods, and she, you know, knows how to whoop-whoop herself as a little three-year-old. And um, we affectionately call her Bigfoot Bait. Come on, Lily, we got to go out and find Bigfoot or let Bigfoot find us, you know. But it became a daily thing because when the snow came, and there's usually not snow in that area, but the snow came and they had tremendous amounts of snow, record-breaking snows, footprints almost every day. And, yes, we do have pictures. Now I can answer the questions. I don't have video, no. I do have a lot of pictures of footprints. Um, We do have one picture that was taken by the trail cam that one of the researchers left. But it was three days of intense, very thick fog. And I don't know if you've ever seen the fog uh, 
on the, in the Pacific Northwest, but it's very, very thick. And so uh, that I can't, that one I cannot print. That is a picture of a Sasquatch. Okay, um, I have a question. Um, may I ask where or how close did they see them? Oh, um, 15, 20 feet maybe. 15, 20 feet? Okay. Yeah, we have we have hair samples. And one, in other words, they used to just kind of walk through the backyard, and there'd be prints all over the place and in the snow or in the dew in the morning. You know, you have kind of an icy, frosty dew on the grass. And, um, and don't forget, let me say this also, is that the researchers were at the point that they were coming out, you know, four or five times a week checking the film, checking the cameras, checking the footprints. We'd call them at, you know, sometimes 1 o'clock in the morning and said, you've got to come out here and listen to what we're hearing. And um, I'm sorry? Let me ask you, let me ask you about, I have a question real quick. Okay. Um, and that's, how annoying did that get after a while, though? Very. Yep. Uh, let, me, let me, and I'm going to say this here. You know, we, they kept, because we, remember, we knew nothing about nothing, and we depended on them a lot, and they did teach us some things. But where we stand now, hindsight is always marvelous, isn't it? We become so smart yep. with hindsight. If we had it to do it all over again, we would do it differently. If we knew then what we know now and what we believe now, we would do it very differently because it is our personal, belief, personal beliefs at this point um, as we're learning and I don't, you know, put this in concrete, but we've got to take a stand and a belief somewhere because of our own encounters and, and experiences. We do believe that they are more human than they are primate and that they are um, a type of, you know, whether they're, they're wild, primitive, forest people, I don't know. What but makes you say they're more human? Because... Uh, because of their um, the way they seem to interact with other long, with other witnesses. Now, don't forget, we've 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 learned a lot of things in this past year, year and a half. We've talked to many long-term witnesses. We've read every account that we could find, or books that we can read, or you know, we've been educating ourselves because when you have these kind of encounters and these experiences it does affect your life. It's not like taking up a hobby. Oh, sure. It's life, it's life changing. And, um, or it can be, let's put it that way. And um, so, you know, they seem to, now Now we're going to get on the subjective thing, okay? My husband, they seem to like, like the music. My daughter sang all the time on the balcony for them every night. They would be 10 feet outside my, my daughter's uh, bedroom behind the bushes. We've, In other words, you can sit there and watch the dog who's 10 feet from you barking into a huge group of trees, but you're not going to walk over there and look because you know that there's something standing there. <clears throat> so we've seen the eyes. We heard them, you know, growl at the dogs, like, just get away from me. Um, my husband saw the eyes. There was a shed behind what we call the goat shed behind in the backyard. He saw the eyes uh, come out, uh, the amber eyes come out from behind there, and then he... he now, now hold on. Go ahead. Uh, let, let, let me, yeah, they were amber eyes. And, and they that, were amber. Is, right, and that's very crucial to me mm-hmm. because um, the... Animals, a lot of times there's reported red eye shine. Mm-hmm. And amber is very close to red. And But amber is a true nocturnal glow you get from eye shine, mm-hmm. meaning that the animal or creature, per se, let's mm-hmm. not say much an animal, but the, the, the creature is mm-hmm. most likely has a tapetum, which is the reflective part of an eye that shines back. It gives the owls and the deer their mm-hmm. eye shine. And, and that, that's why that's a very crucial um, observation there. I have another yeah. question. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the, the music or the singing, do you feel they wanted to make some type of contact with you? Do you feel they were just as curious about you as you are of them? Did you feel there was a, a sense of wanting some type of interaction? 
I would have to say one word, exactly. But remember, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we right. didn't know how to come up, you know, how to do that. And uh, l- like when I go back to the, the fog, the night of the fog, uh, uh, it, my daughter saw saw one of the Bigfoots come around and behind a tree. It was a large tree and it was split. And it stuck its face in between and it kind of showed its teeth and they were saw its amber eyes and uh, the next day the, the researchers came out and they went over there and the moss along the trees, we have a lot of moss in northwest, uh, moss on the trees all dent down and they, they got the hair samples and all that and they are so smart, They there'd be uh, game trails up on the hill in the ridge behind us and uh, there'd be footprints there one day and then they'd move the trail cam so it was right on the game trail and you go back the next day and there'd be no more new footprints but they would walk to the left of the trail and the bushes would be down and you'd find hair and then then, um, footprints over there. So they knew how to avoid these things which is amazing. All right. So now, going back to what you said, yes, we did feel that uh, that they were trying to make some kind of contact or or whatever. Never felt threatened. Right. Uh, that, there was now that has the teeth. You say the your 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 daughter saw the teeth. Now was yeah. that in the form of a smile or just a normal facial expression, or was it some other reason they showed her teeth, or was it just again like a normal thing? Well, maybe it was just, I don't know. They were just baring their teeth. You know, they bare uh, their teeth and then go then go down, you know, then close uh, their mouth uh, again. They just bare down. But they were, they were funny. They were funny. They were uh, one night. Here's Go ahead. I'm sorry. You have a question before I go on? Yeah, this, uh, yep, this comes from the chat room All and, right. again, Python. Um, do you know if the previous occupant reported any interaction with Sasquatch? No, she didn't. She didn't even really believe in believing in them but what happened is this um <laughs> we had a one-year lease and we decided after six months and it has nothing to do with the sat squatch um in fact i i would even go back there now and uh try to reestablish and do every you know the contact and do everything differently than we had to but we decided after six months we didn't like the area we liked what we were experiencing, but we felt like it was getting nowhere. We were learning things about the the oh the detrimental side of having cameras around, you know, and too much research. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so what happened is that these research group actually took over our lease for the last six months. And at the end of that six months, we were long gone, but we, we stay in contact. Um, because the woman that stayed there, um, Barb, the woman that stayed there for the last six months were very close friends with her to this day. And um, when they were leaving the place, uh, they told the owner, because they <laughs> said they told them who they actually were, that they were uh, Bigfoot researchers, and that's why they had taken over our lease because of the... Um, activity of Bigfoot research, I mean the activity of Bigfoots in the area. And her comment was, oh, she said, thou, that makes sense. She says, I always felt like I had been being watched the whole eight years I've been here. And that was her comment. Yeah, strange, huh? Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny because the man that's in there now, he like least purchased the place, and he's living there with a grown uh, daughter and a uh, granddaughter and he had his own Bigfoot encounter like back in the 70s so he's a believer <laughs> yeah. so are um, you in touch with him at all uh, no but we're um, um, again Barb and the woman that was there and uh, us are going to do that by the end of the summer I see. awesome awesome right. and uh did the, did the guest sleep near a window, or was she apprehensive of going near windows at night? I'm sorry, who? I'm sorry. Did, did well, the well, guest... No, that's... Ahead, I think the, the question is for Julie, did you ever no. 
uh, sleep near a window or were you ever apprehensive of going near windows at night? Oh, you bet. <laughs> when I started learning about this probable thing called infrasound <laughs> uh, um, that has a strange reaction on the human body such as fear, apprehension, um, confusion. Feelings of being watched. <laughs> red, feelings of being watched. Uh, there were times uh, during the day it didn't bother me at all. Of course, at night is a whole different thing because, A, it's dark, very dark. B, you know things are out there, and they're not small. And um, the office that we had was a separate building from from our house, a little building, and it was only like three or four feet away. And I would be terrified sometimes just to go from the front door out to the office, which was like, you know, five feet, because I knew I was being watched. And, okay. um so that was it. Was, was there any difference between the daytime and the nighttime activity? Um, or was it pretty constant? It was pretty constant. Uh, there was noises. Of course, at night you heard a bit more because, I mean, there was some traffic. You have a you have a street, you know, during the day, and at night you'd be able to hear more. And you, but I would hear that. That, you know, do you ever hear that tea kettle sound? We call yeah. it the skill saw tea kettle sound. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, and it's it's they screech. It's almost like a screech, but it's a tea kettle sound. We, you know, you'd hear that off in the distance. And um, at the same time we were there, we we're having other um, um, reports of other in, uh, encounters that were going on, other things that were going on in the neighborhood. And one of the researchers, he happened to pick up a neighbor, um, a, a young woman that was hitchhiking. She wanted to get down the road a bit. And he thought he would just be very nonchalant and said, you know, um, boy, this is a nice place around here. Is, is there anything weird or unusual that happens, though? And she kind of whipped her head around and looked and said, strange that you should ask. <laughs> but she says, my roommate is very, has insomnia and is up 2, 3 o'clock in the morning outside smoking. And she can't, she keeps wondering why there are people out in the woods walking around that time of night. And they had goats in front of their houses, so maybe they're after the goats. But that would, we hear stories all over the, all over the place. So. Okay. You know, I, I'm surprised the guy that gave her the ride wasn't named JC. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry about that, JC. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. <laughs> um, very, very interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, some of the stuff, That's the, just some a of general. The, I'm trying to give you a general um, overview. Yep. Yes, we saw them. Not I didn't personally, but my husband did five times. Um, and my daughters, do we hear them almost continually? Uh, the behavior of the dogs, um, the photos, the footprints, and then they were eating food out of the mulch pile, um, you know, things like that. Just a crazy question. Um, you said music was seemed to be an attractant to them, for yeah. them. Um, what type of music? My husband plays. Don't tell him. Don't tell okay. him Jimi Hendrix. Don't tell him. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just seriously all kidding. I didn't know if it was something that was soft or whether it was loud and hard. I just out of curiosity. Well, my daughters were in a choir, a local choir, and they were getting ready for the Christmas recital. Okay, so they were singing a lot of Christmas songs. All right. And um, they, that, and my husband plays seven different instruments, but at the time, he was playing um, acoustic guitar. And right. and my daughter also plays the keyboard. So they were hearing actually both things. But most of the time, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, because hubby's a light night, night guy, they were hearing the acoustic guitar. So, and he said he was just very, you know, they were very present. I wanted to mention this because I know this is, this one particular issue, if I may say, probably divides the lines and Bigfoot them more than any other thing. So I'm going to mention it. So make it an interesting show. Um, there's times that, yes, we felt that they were trying to have, um, oh, what do you want to say, relationship, contact, whatever. Yeah. And 
they would they would speak not out loud, but they would speak to our minds. Ooh, now we're on that subject. Uh, One now, time, seriously? Huh? Are they in the form of tele, uh, telepathic communication? Yes. And see, really? it's, very t- it's, it's very touchy for us because you have to understand where we're coming from, and I don't mind telling you. We're Christians, and we're followers right. of Jesus. So when you bring up the word telepathic or psychically, oh, that's a big no-no for our bringing up and our thinking. So what we've experienced, we've had to go beyond uh, it making it look like anything's, you know, quote-unquote from the devil or, you know, things like that. And really, we've had to stretch our own thinking because of the experiences that we were having. Can you understand? Right. Now, you understand now, let me, hey, now. Okay, I'd like to touch base on that. Yeah. All right, Steve, let let me, after you're done, yeah. Steve, I want to jump on that. Yeah, let me, let me ask a couple questions. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of messages were you getting? Because I, I have a prevailing theory about some of these um, telekinetic episodes. And mm-hmm. actually, it was Stan Courtney who kind of threw that one into my head, and I never thought about it in that way before. So I know a lot of people right then and there are saying, huh, what, what, who? Yeah, right. But, 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 um, but. At first, when, we, when we first moved there, um, my husband, because being the man of the house, he was getting a real bad feeling that we were not wanted there. But that changed. So you get when I, so in other words, it was feelings, it was impressions, and sometimes it was words. For instance, our daughters would be out back one night, and they were full moon or whatever it was. They didn't need a flashlight, in other words. And they got to the edge of the property where the tree started. This happened to the younger one. And um, um, she says it was like hitting a wall. She had to stop where she was. She couldn't go any farther. And she said she heard in her mind, um, I'm here, or in other words, just to let you know I'm here, I'm here, don't go any farther. So she physically felt a wall like she couldn't go any farther, and she heard those words in her mind. Okay, now now here's my point, and, and I want you to think about this, because maybe you haven't heard this thought. And I had Stan Courtney on a couple of years ago on the show, and he had brought this kind of incident up. Mm-hmm. It may be the mind's interpretation of infrasound. Could be. And that's the prevailing theory. So when people tell me these things, it, it doesn't really shock me, because, it's not, because you mentioned infrasound earlier, mm-hmm. that... This is just the way the mind is interpreting the infrasound. It's getting the message that this thing doesn't want you there. You can't <laughs> hear it, but it, it, it comes up in your mind. It could be. You know, you're the first person I've ever heard say that. Yep. And it's, it's, it, it could be. You know, I've heard other results of possible or symptoms or whatever of, of possible infrasound. And that's, you know, they get really bad stomach aches. They become very emotional. Um, um, They become very confused. They become very sleepy. They freeze. They get frozen. Um, Can't move. Um, Things like that, too. So. Yep. All right. Can I jump in here, Steve? Uh, Well, you may step. Please don't jump because that'll rock the whole desk. So. Yeah. Well. All right, Julie. When you say there was some type of possible. ESP or telecommunication or, you know, psychic communication, do you firmly believe, uh, do you feel there was some type of um, ESP or some type of uh, mental telepathy type communications? And if you did, did you try to experiment with that on your own or dabble it or try to communicate back? Big questions. Um, Yeah. (laughs) No, at that time we did not because we really didn't know what was happening. We didn't understand a lot of these things or possibly understand them until after we had left because we walked out of the twilight zone. <laughs> and it really was, it was, I can't begin to tell you how it affected our lives. It was an everyday thing. It was, it was our home. It was so surreal is what I mean by Twilight Zone. It was very surreal. It's like these things are happening, but what does it mean? And who are these creatures? And what do they want? 
And, right. uh, you know, are they going to eat my granddaughter? You know, are they going to kidnap her and take her away? I mean, we were we would let her outside by herself. All right. We just didn't know. Do you feel you, after all this, do you feel that you were very fortunate and very uh, lucky to have this type of experience? Absolutely. Because yeah, I, I, I agree with the thing is that you can't really go looking for them, although you can, but for some reason they took up with us, maybe just because they had already, you know, were looking at that owner of the house for eight years. <laughs> they were just happened to be in the neighborhood. But um, I think for some strange reason, and I'm not trying to say this in a spooky way, that, like I said, they chose us. We didn't really cho- choose them. And we've had... In eastern Washington, I think I was mentioning this to Steve on the phone last week, is that we had some situations there that we had no idea. We didn't think anything about it. But looking back, um, most likely it was that squatch activity. Where we live now, we have seen a lot of scat. We have seen shelters. Oh, by the way, and we did find a shelter up there. Um, We've got... You know, just a lot of things. We found a shelter here. We've heard them here. Um, they're more... Uh, because now we know what we're listening to. A lot of people say, well, I've been out in the woods sure. for, you know, 30 years, and I've never seen a Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, if you be, if you understand what you could see or could hear, you probably have, if you've been out in the woods for 30 years, um, yeah. had experiences, but you just don't know. Well, I'm going to say, Julie, you're very fortunate. Uh, I envy you and your family many times over. Steve, I see we're down to eight minutes, so with that, I'm going to back off, let you take it, and wrap it up. Okay. Well, uh, this was a, a wonderful uh, um, dissertation on, on your your experiences, and uh, I look forward to the book. And uh, everybody, I you know, keep an eye out for it. It's going to be called Visits from the Forest People. Um, and uh, the, do we have a publisher name? Can we put that out there? Uh, Ideal Arbor or Pry, Pry, excuse me, Pine Woods Press. Um, okay. Same author that did Valley of the Skookum and a whole bunch of other um, Bigfoot Sasquatch books. It's, they're, out, they're out of Washington. Okay. So we'll keep an eye out for that, folks. Um, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, it, it was it was incredible. I, I enjoyed it very much. And, oh, what uh, and, and we didn't have to do much talking tonight. <laughs> you know, so it, it was great. That always helps. Um, you know, and, and for the listeners out there, and, and also for you, Julie, uh, if you want this optional homework assignment, um, I suggest a book that Dr. Jane Goodall wrote called Chimps of the Mogambi. And if you read that book, you're going to learn just how smart primates are. And that's why I'm not completely sworn off the whole primate thing. Mm -hmm. If you really read how they reason and some of the things you said to me today, like the baring of the teeth is very primate in nature. Yes. So that kind of just... That, that just kind of reinforced some of the, my other thoughts on that. That, yes, I think what we're doing is dealing with a hominid type of ape, possibly, um, that, that has evolved a bit to be smarter. But that's, you know, so as my co-host would say, it's kind of like a mix. Yeah. I can agree right? with that. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like a mix. So, but um, <clears throat> very, very interesting stuff. And uh, thanks again for coming on, Julie. Appreciate it. Thank you. Been a pleasure. Really, Julie. Thank you. It's just fabulous you to share this and come forward with your personal experiences and thoughts. And uh, really, I envy you many, many times over. I'll meet you all at the OSS next year. (laughs) (laughs) Now, all right. Sounds like a plan. Now, a couple of quick programming notes for housekeeping business. We're off next week. It's Independence Day, and uh, I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July. Uh, we'll be back on July 11th, and uh, we're going to have an open mic night on July 11th. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I, I, think, I think the topic for our open mic night will be media and Sasquatch, 
because it's been coming up a lot lately, and I think it's a very pertinent topic. So, um, Big G, what, 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 what do you have to add? Well, with regards to tonight's show, um, it touched base on a lot of things that you and I have kicked around. Um, the telecommunication, the, uh, the eye shine, um, the interaction, the desire to interact, the curiosity, um, the activity both equal during day and night, uh, absolutely fabulous here. And as far as the uh, open mic night, yeah, there has been a lot in the uh, um, media and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. So, uh, you know, you and I will be touching base on that. But, uh, uh, Julie, I just can't uh, thank you enough. And, uh, uh, personally, if there's any way we can get you back uh, down the road a piece or two, uh, would love to have you, in my opinion. Uh, I think Steve Absolutely. feels like, yeah, I think Steve, I knew you'd say that. Yeah, and, um, and, and I, Julie, when that when that book comes out, you let us know because we want to get that we want to get you back on the show and get that link up and just go over some of the stuff we talked about tonight. Great, we're putting the oh. website now. We'll put the we'll put the book up and we'll put the um, that howling sound that was recorded that night. That okay. will be up there and everything for you. Julie, awesome. please forward that website to Steve so we can uh, put a link up. Uh, I yep. think you've got a very unique situation and a very unique story. Um, uh, again, you uh, aroused a lot of curiosity here in the chat room. I don't know if you've been watching it or not, but uh, you know I can't thank you enough for sharing your experience. I know it uh, probably took a lot to come forward, but really this is absolutely fantastic. And before we go, before we go, there was one question I wanted to touch base on. Did you know the actual elevation of the uh, the area you lived in? We were down low. We were, uh, we're like you know the ocean was. Okay, so it's sea level. Okay, sea level. Okay, very good. Sea level. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening this week. We'll be back in two weeks, 8 p.m. July 11th. Squatch Detective Radio and uh, everybody, give us a check out uh, SquatchDetective.com and SquatchDetectiveRadio.com, and uh, we'll catch you all in a couple of weeks. Uh, God bless. Peace out, and uh, we'll see you all after the fourth. Some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the beat There's too much confusion I can't get no relief